2: Kevin, you had made the comment on Friday that you had gotten me last year, and it is an awesome shirt, the St. Peter's shirt with the peacock on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Cue the peacock sound from Mark Dykton in Florida right. right now.
2: And you said you haven't worn that. Does it not fit you anymore? So I felt compelled that I had to wear it today. But knowing the PTSD that must exist for Purdue fans coming off of St. Peter's and now into Fairleigh Dickinson, I thought, well, they're going to think that I'm I'm being snarky and rubbing salt in the wound. So, to be only fair, I, I figured I would bring a second t-shirt just in case. Oh,
0: wow. Well, change of shirts That's 90 right. minutes into the show. Now,
2: mm. well, I'll just put it on over. It's like, a, what, it's
0: like a 12% chance I shower before the show, and Jake's already going with a change of shirts here. What
2: hat do I wear more than any other when I wear a hat? On
0: the uh, you've got two. You rotate heavily. You've got a Wyoming one and a Shelbyville Bears one.
2: <laughs> I do have, you're right, I do have both. Uh, but I typically, I do often wear, and I'm not necessarily even a fan, but I wear a Kansas Jayhawk
0: Oh, yes, hat. uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
2: And, of course, I went to a Kansas game, what, three weeks ago. Had fun. Went to, back back to Lawrence. Um. So I figured only fair. Mm. Hang on just a second. Hang on. Are you going pig suey here? I mean... Look at this. There we go.
0: Look at that. Now, that screams, for me, that screams like you went to finish line and you just bought a $10 college T-shirt. They had two college T-shirts for 10 bucks and you got one of them. I actually spent – Arkansas, by the way, for those wondering what Jake is now rocking.
2: So, Lisa Martin, who I grew up with, her husband, Keith, who's an awesome dude, is a native of Arkansas and a graduate of Arkansas. So, Pig Suey. I know Keith's pumped up. Um – I always kind of liked Arkansas, but I went to Fayetteville when I was a freshman in college. We went there for a weekend. I went to a can an Arkansas Baylor football game. So I don't know, like a couple years ago, I was like, I'm just going to go online and buy a, an Arkansas T-shirt. So here we go. So this is actually, I'm kind of I like UCLA a little bit, but I'm I'm kind of pulling for Arkansas also. Okay. Not saying that they're going to be able to, to get it done. but
0: Yeah, they've got UConn. That is Thursday that's, at 7-15. Listen,
2: you, you called that about UConn. You were right, man. Well, they look good.
0: That's about the only thing I've been right on the old bracket. I think, you know, how about my Kent State over IU? I think Kent State just missed another layup.
2: Yeah, Kent State looked very frantic, did they not?
0: Gosh, uh, more reckless than relentless, I think, would probably be the way that I would describe Kent State. So looking ahead to the Sweet 16, the Thursday matchups, the first matchup, of the Sweet 16 will be Kansas State, Michigan State. That is 6:30 coming up on Thursday. Um, the other game in that region which will tip approximately at 9, Florida Atlantic and Tennessee. Jake, how about and we saw the interview post game. Dusty May head coach of Florida Atlantic. How about his best player, John L
2: Davis from Gary? Yeah. And I saw um he's the one that swore, right? Well, and there are said, a lot of – I think there are a lot of swears. She post-game. said, well, it's okay. We're on True TV. <laughs> yeah, which
0: I did love. Out. Was that Jamie Erdahl? I did love uh, how she goes, handled yeah. that. Um, yeah, I think you had uh, the Hurley brother for UConn. He was cussing. Drew Timmy was cussing. Um, so that is the East region, Madison Square Garden, 630 Kansas State, Michigan State, and then FAU in Tennessee at 9. The other matchups on Thursday will be out in Vegas Jake's Razorbacks against UConn at 7:15, and then I would say probably the juiciest of all the Sweet 16 matchups, UCLA Gonzaga. That's approximately 9:45. Fast forward to Friday, Alabama San Diego State Friday at 6:30. Jake, how about San Diego State? They have held their last three opponents to season lows. You talk about a defensive-minded team. A lot of athleticism, a lot of length. That will be an interesting matchup for Alabama coming up on Friday. Again, that's at 6.30. The other game in that region is Princeton and Creighton. That is at 9 o'clock. It's now three straight years we've had a 15 seed in the Sweet 16, St. Peter's and Oral Roberts each of the last two years. You know who's really good for Creighton is Andrew Nemhard's brother.
2: Yeah, he is really good. Whew. They had I watched them last night. They had a – a moment where they hit two threes within like an eight-second spurt, he, and he was one of them. Um, but he's a pretty poised dude. Yeah. Kind of like his brother, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say a little bit more like dynamic than his brother, but his brother I think has shown moments of that, honestly, in the NBA. Uh, and then the the uh, region that has the most intact, that will be the Midwest region from Kansas City. Uh, it's four of the top five seeds. Indiana was trying to make it all four of the top four seeds. At 7.15, you're going to get Houston, Miami, Houston's favored by 7.5 on that one. It's kind of an interesting spread there for the Cougars, who were down 10.5 on Saturday boy, they, against Auburn. They and they then, turn it up boy, the did day. they come to life. 50-23 to 23 in the second half. And then the night cap on Friday, Texas and Xavier. So if you look at that, Jake, Texas-Xavier, we only have two Sweet 16 matchups where the seeds have held, where the expected seeds right. are there. That is Texas and Xavier, the 2-3. And then Gonzaga and UCLA
2: as well. Our pool, by the way, David is leading. Uh, David DU, he picked 12 of the Sweet 16. Gosh, what a unbelievable. Pretty impressive. Uh, he is leading overall. I am 240th. <laughs> um, There's no way I'm better than Although that. I have, although no, you know what, I think I'm kind of I had Kansas, I think, in the final four.
0: He's got eleven. Would you say eleven of them? Yeah. One, two, three, four,
1: five. He has twelve. Six, he has twelve of seven. them. seven. I have eight. God, that's a lot Impressive. better than I thought.
2: I'm trying to find out where you rank. Do you
0: Uh I can't be high at all. I mean, I had Arizona win at all. I had Purdue in the final four. I had and M in the Elite Eight. I am uh, I think I named it like Longs and PBR. I think that was my <laughs> team name. Maybe the other way around, PBR and Longs.
2: Which is you'd like both of them right now, I, right? Yeah.
0: Well I would have liked them. Probably Friday morning after Arizona lost to Princeton. Yeah, there's no way I'm doing well. Zero percent chance whatsoever. Uh, Bob Kravitz going to join us here in about 15 minutes. He was in Columbus. Um, what do you think of Tobin? What do you think of the uh, Fairley Dickinson coach? You see his dream jobs, Notre Dame. Should we hire him? Is that what he said? Yeah.
2: You know, he's an interesting story though, Kevin, because he had success at the Division Two level, got pulled up to fairly dickinson i thought he had a great game plan against purdue i thought he had um you know i i thought they looked they really played well and competed against florida atlantic I, each time that that fau made a run you know fairly dickinson answered it kind of like they did with purdue i mean in that purdue game quite frankly with, what was it five and a half minutes to go or something purdue went up five and i thought okay it's over now they're gonna pull away and and you know they obviously hung around. I did see him get a little upset with Dusty May. Did you see at the end of the game? Did you watch the end of...
0: Was that the 360 he got mad? Correct. The Florida Atlantic kid?
2: Um, Florida Atlantic, Fairly Dickinson had pulled off the dogs. It was like a seven-point game with five seconds to go, and so Florida Atlantic is seemingly going to run the clock out, and the kid for Florida Atlantic that's dribbling out the clock goes ahead and storms it to the basket and tries a 360 dunk, which he missed by the way, and Uh, Anderson was not pleased during the handshake line and he kind of went after Dusty May a little bit. I thought it was interesting also. They
0: kept on patting each other back and forth. I got a little nervous. (laughs) They they look like me burping Max last night. It was like like, they
2: were each waiting like when are we uh, done with this conversation right? Yeah. The other thing that Dusty May I found interesting and I get it I mean you're super excited in that moment Your, your mind's probably racing so you're not even really formulating your answer but he was asked you know, you're a descendant of the Bob Knight coaching tree, which is a little bit of a stretch because he wasn't on the staff. He was a student manager, right? Mm-hmm. But she said, you're a descendant of the Bob Knight coaching tree, and now here you are in the Sweet 16. Like, what does that mean to you to have that like, l- that legacy? And he said, I'm just super proud of our kids. Like, And he did not in any way go with, like, the whole, oh, man, I learned so much. I mean, yeah. Like a, yeah, kudos and credit to him. I mean, I think he he wanted to make sure that the attention was where it should be. Right. But I know, still
0: can't believe fairly Dickinson beat Purdue.
2: Now, let me offer this to you. And people are gonna think that I'm trying to defend or or carry water for Purdue. I'm not. It's a horrific loss. However, I don't think and this is you don't even want to be in the the topic of this debate, if you're Purdue, so I'm not trying to soften it. I do think still that the UMBC over Virginia was a bigger upset because, and let me tell you why, Fairly Dickinson, Fairly Dickinson's a school that at least I've heard of that has been in the tournament seemingly a lot. I don't know. I mean, but I, UMBC, I don't even know what league they're I – I don't know that I had ever heard of Maryland-Baltimore County before they knocked out Virginia.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because – you think about the two games, UMBC, I mean, they like, they, I don't know if dominated as and two they, stretch they of a word. they completely
2: blew them out. Right, but they were in full
0: control Correct. of, of the game. Correct. They completely
2: like, blew them off the floor. Purdue had a
0: six-point lead with, what, 10 to go Right on Friday night. Um, but Jake Fairley Dickinson, like, they weren't good. They didn't win their conference tournament. They, they had four wins last year. Yeah, but that the, they brought the four, a bunch of D2.
2: four-win team is a totally different team, though. They Right, but it's
0: not like they went out and hammered the portal with Big East transfers. They hammered the portal with Division II transfers. And they lost to Stonewall and Longwood and Queens Island. And I think the Purdue loss... Queens
2: Island was a fabulous show in the 60s, by the way. I think the...
0: Could you say the UMBC loss is the bigger loss, but the Purdue loss is the more embarrassing? I mean, Fairly Dickinson had to win a play-in game. UMBC didn't have to win a playing game, fair. But God, I can't believe we're arguing this.
2: No, I, I get, I'm just saying. is this kind of wild? I think the bigger embarrassment was the fact that Virginia in that UMBC game was never even in the game. I mean, they got completely right, blown right.
0: out. Right, right. Yes, which is different, but
2: I, you're right. I mean, it's.
0: I mean, Fairleigh Dickinson's got two mascots, Jake.
2: Remember, we <laughs> oh, went over yeah. this on Friday. Yeah, they, they have. Their Division one and their Division II uh-huh. ones. Right? Was it, is it
0: Devils, the other one?
2: Uh, I think that's right. They should have been. the. They were definitely the Devils right. Friday night.
0: Knights and Devils. Uh, Derek says this. Purdue fan my entire life. Uh, ten years ago, I was ready to move on from Painter. The run with Carson Edwards changed my perspective. That season was m- miserable watching Edwards shoot every single possession at a low percentage, but the tourney run was magical. This season was special, and the tourney was worse. I still think they are right there. The tourney's made for guard play, and that is work in progress. Boy, can you imagine the pressure on Matt Painter in the first round of the tournament next year?
2: I mean, his team, I always felt like with Gene Katie, and this was simply me being an IU zealot growing up, I always felt like Gene Katie late in games had a lack of composure that carried over to his team and rattled them. That was strictly a false narrative by me because I didn't like Purdue when I was a kid. But... Kevin, to your point, they looked Purdue looked like a team late in that game that was as puckered as you can get.
0: Thousand pound piano on their back in willingness to shoot, willingness to attack, and willingness to compete. The if I am Matt Painter the
2: thousand pound piano that's redundant, right? Just piano in general. Touche. You are right. Yeah. <laughs> or just Zach Eadie was on the
0: back of all of his teammates. Right. Maybe that's maybe the better way to put it. I mean, if I am Matt Painter, I show the clip of the loose ball right in front of that Fairleigh Dickinson bench late in the game.
2: Now, Indiana on the other hand, uh, you know, Purdue looked rattled and and like they Purdue looked like a team that knew what was happening before everybody else realized what was happening, and Indiana looked like a team late in the game that just didn't want to be there. The people the, the passion people have for Indiana basketball and the fans that are all all in and the the cigar TikTok videos after some kid commits for 2 years from now and all that all that passion, all that everything else that goes into it was in no way, shape, or form replicated by Indiana last night because Indiana looked like a team that wanted to be anywhere but there.
0: Yeah, they just got outclassed from a rebounding standpoint, effort standpoint. And it's not like Miami's a big team at all. I mean, they're the the, the big guy, the center, O'Meara, is Um And their guards and wings just dominated the game. And I thought Indiana – I thought Jalen Huchofino was really bad early. And I thought that kind of set the tone – at times this year, Jake, and it hasn't happened as much, but at times this year, I felt like Indiana's forgotten about Trace Jackson Davis or or chosen not sure. to be patient enough to get him the ball. Jake, he had four four field goal attempts in the first half, and their big guy was out with two fouls for a lot of that first half. You have got to commit yourself to that. Miami was not doing anything like too, too crazy to limit that. I mean, yeah, they, they, they were doing some fronting and things like that, but it wasn't like Fairly Dickinson with Edie. I just felt like that was such an issue early on, and that kind of set the tone, which, you know, bled throughout the game.
2: After the Purdue game, I said that Indiana was going to go as far as Jalen Hood-Shifino, not Trace Jackson Davis, but as far as Jalen Hood-Shifino was going to be able to get them. And
0: One of his worst nights of the year. Yeah.
2: Um, one sweet
0: 16 now in the last decade for Indiana. All right, uh, Bob Kravitz is going to join us in 10 to talk more about it.
2: You're listening to Kevin and Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, hey, I don't want this, I want Purdue to see this, right? The more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Yeah, ooh, ooh, say like, let's go shock the world. The lob, oh. and oh. that will do it. Yeah. do you believe it? For just the second time ever, a 16 beats a 1. The smallest team in the country has the biggest heart tonight and for the third consecutive year a
1: double digit seed sends purdue packing cut you down a size don't do it like that don't do it like that
2: it's hard it's a really hard thing we've worked very hard and done things the right way in our program i think six straight years we've been a top five seed and that's all you try to do is you just try to fight to get in the best position possible. And now we get in the best position possible and this happens. And um, obviously it hurts. It, it hurts bad. All I can do right now is put on a brave face.
1: Trying to pick up his Hoosiers off the map. But they leave. There's the block by Miller. And he's going to turn out the right. Final seconds come off the clock. How sweet it is for Miami. This is the
0: worst. That intro, courtesy of Mark Tyton he is out this week, but you have the historic nature to what happened, particularly on Friday night. Mark said, I got to get something there, and he certainly did that. And you know what, Jake? We need to offer credit to our next guest because he has been saying this since January. Albeit the stay for uh, neither uh, opponent was or neither team was very long, uh, but Bob Kravitz joins us now from the Athletic. Bob, you've been saying for multiple months you thought Indiana's stay in the tournament would be longer than Purdue. So a hat tip to you
1: on that. Well, hat tip to me. I didn't think they lose to the fairly freaking Dickinson. I I thought I thought IU would get to the Sweet 16, and Purdue. Uh, here's my problem with Purdue since you're going to ask. Um, I don't think a center-dominated team can win in the NCAA in this in this day and age. Um, you got to go back to the 1980s and Patrick Ewing to find a true back to the back to to the basket center who dominates for a team that goes deep into the into the NCAA tournament. I just don't think this team was built for the postseason.
2: You know. Bob I had mentioned earlier and I want your your take on this. You know, I think Matt Painter has come up with the perfect blueprint to win year in and year out in the Big 10, but the Big 10 conference itself, the style of play lacks the versatility in style of play that other leagues have and therefore winning and dominating the Big 10 does not always translate clearly into into March itself, but what is the answer for Purdue? I mean, Zach Eadie obviously a wonderful talent that's going to be back next year, I would assume. We'll see on that. But what is the answer for what Purdue needs to do?
1: The answer is guards. The answer is guards you can really scoot. And that's the problem. Look, I, I think Lawyer and Braden Smith are both going to be really, really solid to very good guards at Purdue for the next, you know, three years or however long they – they end up being there, but I thought that you saw, uh, you know, you had two fifth-year seniors for Fairleigh Dickinson. Granted, they are playing Division Two just a year ago. Um, you know, uh, and what amazed me during the game, guys, I turned to Justin Williams, who's a colleague of mine. I said, you know what? I'd run a little zone against these guys. Let's see if they can make a shot. Let's see if they can. You know, every time the, down the floor, their little guards were getting penetration. So Edie and, doesn't
0: have to go out on the perimeter either.
1: Right, exactly. Are they? They're they're working uh, Edie into pick and rolls, and he's completely lost. Defense goes into rotations. They can't stop anybody. I would. I turned to Justin and said, "I would think about a zone." And I swear to you, five minutes later, I'm listening to the broadcast, and Steve Lapis – Who's you know not exactly Bob Knight, but still coached at a pretty high level, says I would think about a zone. Now would that have changed everything? I don't know, but by God, you got to have a few more tools in your tool belt than what they had.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that front, and I guess kind of expanded on that, Bob. Bob Kravitz with us from the Athletic. Um, let's say. You're Mike Babinski. You're the A D of Purdue right now and your biggest donor calls you this morning and says, Mike, I, I I've had enough. I want Matt Painter gone. What would be your response to him?
1: I'd tell him to drop dead. That's what I would tell him. I'd tell him that's that's absurd. You've had a, a great program that I mean, look, it's not like anybody else in the Big Ten is doing anything in the in the postseason. You got what, one team left? You know Michigan State as always, so it's not like it. I think the Big Ten. What's funny to me is Big Ten is known for its hyper physicality, and both IU and Purdue are bigger, more physical teams than the teams they played. And what happened? They got they got beat up physically. You know, I mean IU got got what was it twenty seven to eleven and second chance points. The defensive rebounding was abysmal. I thought the effort was abysmal. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, look, Matt Pager's going to get there at some point, but he's got to do some serious soul-searching into the way he recruits. I think he's got uh, he's got Colvin coming in. He's got uh, Tamika's, uh, what, cousin coming in a couple of years. Uh, maybe they'll be better. Nephew. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but they need quicker guards who can break people down. Um, and I think this is a problem for the whole Big Ten for the most part.
0: On the Big Ten front, I thought this stat was pretty wild. Um, the Big Ten has sent 26 teams to the tournament in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Only four of those 26 have made the Sweet 16, and only oh. one has made the Elite Eight.
1: That's, that's pretty damning, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty damning. And I think, I you know, I, I think it's uh, – there. there's a lack of athleticism. I, I was just – you know, like, here's Fairleigh Dickinson. It's a team – it's a commuter school, for God's sake. They lost to a commuter school that doesn't have their own band. They had to bring the Dayton band in to, to, to play some music at, at the game yesterday against uh, Florida Atlantic. But I, I just thought that they – they played harder, and they were they were more athletic than Purdue. And it and that, that just blows my mind that a team from the NEC, which is the lowest-ranked uh, division or uh, uh, league in all of college basketball, had, I thought, better, quicker athletes on the perimeter than Purdue.
2: Now, on the other side of things, Bob, was Indiana's performance last night or lack thereof against Miami. Um Indiana does have guards, I mean, at least in one, in Jalen Hood-Shifino, Shafino, is probably going to go to the NBA. I mean, he's going to be in the NBA, I'm saying probably this year, going to go to the NBA. But Miami had guards. Miami just, like, it was like a hurricane, right? Just more guards. It just kept raining guards. But Indiana, to me, looked totally disinterested in the last five minutes of that game. Am I being too critical? No, they quit.
1: No, I'll, I'll, they, they flat out quit. Now, you could see signs. During the game, they made that one run. I thought that one Miller Cop, after the steal, Miller Cop jacks up a kind of an off-balance three. He
0: shot that from Buffalo. He, he did,
1: or Schenectady, if you want to be specific. <laughs> but, but, I mean, he misses, and the whole game changed right there. And I'm not blaming on Miller Cop. I'm just saying that that took something out of him. Then Miami went on a run, and I just thought, That was the most half-assed press I have ever seen in my life. I didn't know if they were trying to get a steal or get out early and make last call in Albany. I don't know what was going on, but the the lack of effort uh, down the stretch, it it was a joke, and uh, I thought it was an embarrassing moment for Indiana basketball.
2: Bob Kravitz is with the Athletic. He is on the Payless Liquors hotline. We're talking about both Purdue and Indiana. Let's stick with Indiana, Bob. The challenge that I see for Mike Woodson is now going to be his roster next year because oh, yeah. uh, you know, I think we can say I'm ninety nine point nine percent certain that Jalen Hood Shafino played his last game for Indiana last night. I'm yes. you know, Trace Jackson Davis the same um even though both of them could return if they so choose i I get the feeling i don't know who it's going to be but i feel like there are going to be a couple players that are going to transfer gun and geronimo would be two that come to mind to me very quickly maybe even banks that's just the reality of it but in your opinion indiana
1: stands where in terms of next year they need to go heavy in the portal they need to go heavy in the portal and uh you know i they don't have a lot of options i mean they get i mean they got you know cut, what, cups coming in next year couple of guys um it it's you know not a i mean freshmen don't do much you know i mean renew had a pretty nice year hutchapino obviously did what he did although he was terrible against miami and we've seen that from hutchapino you remember that game against maryland where i think he was 3 of 14 or something like that so yeah i mean they, they, but ultimately, if they want to be good next year, they've got to hit the portal and they've got to hit it hard. Okay,
0: Bob Kravitz with us from the Athletic. Um, lastly, on the IU season, I guess how would you kind of summarize it, Bob? You know, you mentioned earlier Sweet Sixteen is is maybe where you thought if you look at the Big Ten, you know, I would say probably a rung short in the Big Ten tournament, probably a rung short in the Big Ten regular season based off where they finished there. How would you characterize a season that again had one of the best players in program history? And had a first round pick as well,
1: right? Yeah, mildly disappointing. I, I thought they, I thought they could do a little more. I thought they could at least get to Kansas City and uh, get me some barbecue uh, this week, but that wasn't going to happen. I, I was all jacked about spending my birthday in New York City. Man, that would have been sweet. Madison Square
0: think, Garden action, right? That's what you're hoping for.
1: That, that's my. I was hoping for a little MSG, a little, uh, little uh, uh, Greenwich Village would have been great, but it didn't happen, so here I am uh, trying to figure out what the hell to write next. Well, I, but,
0: I, I guess, sorry to interrupt, but I, I was kind of going to go there. Um, any, I know it's been from afar, but any Colts free agency thoughts here a week into it?
1: Not really. I, I really like the, uh, the signing of uh, uh, the kicker. I have always thought the kickers are underestimated. In a league where every damn game comes down, to three points or less, you need a kicker who's freaking automatic. You think about the year when uh, Adam Vinatieri made, what, 78.6% of his extra points? I mean, you know, that, that was a team that could have made the playoffs, that should have made the playoffs, but their kicking was horrendous. So uh, I like that, that pickup. Otherwise, just a lot of meh. You know, I'm still – I'm still trying to work through the idea of Lamar Jackson in my head and and write a column along those lines. I just I when you have a guy who's a sure thing who's only twenty six years old and a former MVP, why wouldn't you take a real long hard look at him? So Bob
2: am I missing something? Let's tie these two things together. You ready? Okay. I'm gonna list to you real quickly the teams in the sweet sixteen. And I want you to pick the team whose chances of winning it all are the equivalent of the Colts' chances of ending up with Lamar Jackson. You ready? <laughs> okay. Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton, Florida, Atlantic, Tennessee, Kansas State, Michigan State, UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, Arkansas, Texas, Xavier, Miami, and Houston.
1: Well, that was fast. Uh, I'd say FAU. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to get them because that's not the way Ballard works, but. Gosh, you know, is I mean, it the I way so, Ursay works? I mean, Ursay giving up
0: giving that guaranteed upfront money, Bob, is something that I don't know if I'm fully thinking he would do.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. You know, if it was a drum set from the Beatles maybe, <laughs> but you know, but it was Ringo's drum kit, but uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to put all that money into escrow. That's not funny money. That's real money. You know, so I don't I don't know that he would do that. Uh, I mean the fact they went and got Minshew, which is another another uh, addition that I really, really like, and I wanted them to do that last year, uh, and really the last two years when they had no backup. Um, I think that's great, but the fact they went with Minshew tells me that they're looking at him as a bridge quarterback, and they're going to go out and get uh, the third or fourth best uh, guy out there, whether that's uh, Levis or, or Richardson. Bob,
2: do you get the feeling though? I was Kevin and I were talking about this earlier. You mentioned that in 2023, it's hard to win in college basketball with a dominant big man as your focal point. Right. So, do you get the feeling that if Chris Ballard was in charge of building a college basketball lineup in 2023, he would start with Bill Walton?
1: He, he would start with Bolt, with minute ball. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a better hockey player? You or Manute? Well, actually I went to see Manute try and play with the Indy Ice and they couldn't they couldn't find skates big enough for his feet. So he sat on the bench the whole game in his in his shoes and socks. You know, so I, I would always say that I am a significantly better hockey player back <laughs> in the day. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> okay, Bob Kravitz from the Athletic, our Monday Conversations with them, Bob, uh, great stuff. Uh, enjoyed the coverage from Columbus. Was looking forward to hopefully you, like you said, covering a little bit longer, but uh, thanks for all the college basketball chatter this year.
1: My pleasure, boys. Take care.
0: It's Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline.
2: I saw a... Somebody sent me an article. Maybe I should have asked Bob about this, Kevin. And I understand it, and I appreciate it. But somebody sent me an article from a Purdue fan website. Uh, one of the, I, th- I think it's a blog, and one of the guys, it was, it was a well-written article, but um, a guy that was critiquing the media questions to Matt Painter after the game. That everybody was softballing him and nobody was asking him the hard-hitting questions. And I think it's fair. But I also think, and, and I'm only going to say this, I, I guess, because it was asked, essentially, hey, as a media person, what would you say about this? There is a lot of truth to it. I'm not saying in Bob's case or Greg's case or anybody else. There is a lot of truth to the fact that the lines now with social media and online things and, and whatever else, the lines of, like, quote-unquote, journalism and what all goes into that have been blurred a little bit now where you do have people that are, are favoring access or relationships with coaches Towards versus like offending them. I don't think that's the case with Bob or with Greg Doyle or whatever else. I also think that one thing that comes into play is the human nature element of it in terms of it's very easy. I always felt like when I had a credential, Kevin, I think you always say earn the credential. Use your credential. Use your credential. Yeah. Like I have always felt like when I have covered games, when I worked in TV mostly, that. My job was to ask the questions that fans are are asking the television as they're watching the game in frustration, and there is a a way to do that tactfully, I think, but I also think that there's a human nature element of it that people lose sight of, which is if you are interviewing a coach or a player after a gut-wrenching performance or game, yes, you need to get that answer, but at the same time, it's somebody that you long-term are covering, and, and therefore you have to be respectful of their emotion as well. And it's often easier to think to yourself that you would be able to just go in there and rapid fire these hard-hitting questions. I just don't care. I'm going to find the truth. And then when you're sitting there and you're actually looking at the person and, there's, and you only get like a second or two to be the one to ask a question. You only get like one question usually because there's 100 people in there trying to ask questions. There are just a lot of factors that go into it that I think are easy to overlook. I think it's a fair question to question the way or the fashion in press conference settings that people are asked things, but you also don't know what then later are being asked in private conversation because in a press conference setting, sometimes you don't want to ask your best stuff out front if you know you're going to talk to the subject later independently because everybody's in there and you only get so long to talk
0: yeah I think that's really well said um my thing in those settings is can I back it up and what I asking can I back it up and I feel like if you are able to do that then the question is totally valid and they those questions deserve to be asked they need to be asked And it's up to the interviewee to answer them how they choose. Um, You know, I think back to teach a class at IU and one of my former students, actually. I I think he covers IU for Inside the Hall, I believe. Zion Brown's his name. And he asked Mike Woodson after the Iowa game. So remember the Iowa game, Jake, a few weeks back where Indiana, you know, pretty much got run off the floor. In the old building, Woodson was pissed. You know, two-minute press conference, very quick, very short. And, you know, Zion asked Mike Woodson a question where he— preface by saying, you know, Coach, you guys are lost your last four to Iowa. They've scored at least eighty points in each of those four games. You know, what is what is it about what Iowa does that's given you so many issues? And Mike Woodson looked at him and goes, You watched the same game I did. And that was it. And I messaged Zion after watching the press conference and I go, I hope you don't he's a sophomore at IU. You're pretty vulnerable in, in a press conference setting right. when you're a sophomore at IU. And I messaged him and I go, I don't I think for one second you should be feeling any sort. I hope you don't feel any sort of embarrassment or whatever in how Mike Woodson answered your question. That question deserved to be asked, and as Zion did a great job of in that moment, he prefaced it by saying, "You've lost four in a row. They've scored 80 on you, at least 80 on you in each of those four games. What is it about Iowa that has been kind of a a difficult, you know, thorn in your side?" Uh, Just because the interviewee, again, doesn't answer it how you would like them to or show the the level of respect to actually entertain the question doesn't mean that question shouldn't be asked. The,
2: The other thing that I think is interesting, when I was reading a column critiquing the media and the sports media and the way that we interview subjects or ask questions or cover games, the natural reaction is to become defensive about it and play the whole like, well, you've never been in a press conference type answer, except for that, Kevin, I've always said this. Our job, to some extent, is to get on a microphone and question the manner in which other people, players and coaches, execute their job. So it is only fair that people should be able to do the same of me. Sure.
0: Sure. And to that point, I know someone that often receives criticism in the way that they ask questions is Greg Doyle. And I'll give Greg credit on Friday night, Jake, for asking Zach Eady, I thought in a really respectful manner, what are your thoughts on the NBA just after losing to a 16 seed? And I'm curious, was there anybody inside that locker room last night in Albany that asked Jalen Huchofino about the NBA? Right. Because that's the last time you get the opportunity to talk to these Guys, because, again, once the season ends, if they do come back to those respective schools, it's going to be very, you know, closed off. Um, So you might not. And Zach, you know, I thought handled it really well and just said, you know, it's something that I need to think about and, you know, blah, blah, blah and all all of that. But those are questions that have to be asked in those moments, even though they might seem very raw and very emotional,
2: uh, particularly for the players that are If you were Jalen hood Shafino would you return to Indiana?
0: Um, I, I probably would not. You know, I think a lot would depend on what your experience has been like in Indiana as a freshman. Um, but if I were guaranteed to be a first-round pick and knowing that even more attention would be on me next year from defensive assignments because Trace Jackson Davis is no longer my teammate, I would think I could only hurt my stock.
2: Yeah, I mean... That's the one thing. If you're Jalen Huchfino, you're like, okay, next year, where are my assists coming? When I kick it out to Tamar Bates so that he can go two for nine mm-hmm. in some yeah. game? Well,
0: that'd, that'd be an upgrade. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: The yeah. other thing is, Kevin, if you were – people that are in their car right now listening or at work, if you're an architect or you are a marketing rep or you are an attorney, whatever it might be. If after your freshman year at Indiana, the law firm or the architecture firm or the PR firm that you're working for after your freshman year of college had offered you a first contract with five years of guaranteed salary that was seven figures, would you say to yourself, I really need the experience of the Kelly School of Business? Or would you say, gosh, they're willing to pay me Seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars up front with a two and a half million dollar signing bonus just to learn on the job as a paid intern which would you do your job in college the purpose of college is twofold one is to intellectually and emotionally grow as an individual and the other is to put yourself in the best position to be able to live independently as an adult and if that means that after one year it has put you on a platform that allows someone else to facilitate for that, that for you at an accelerated rate, then you have to explore it.
0: And again, two things, Jake, that I don't think we ever truly know is, A, what is the financial standing of that individual's family? And B, their love for the university or for college basketball in general might not be as immense as the new Albany High School season ticket holder. Right. You know, like, it, it just – I think it's easy for us to be like, oh, my gosh, college was unreal for me, and that's great. Maybe Jalen Huchofino's like, dude, this is overwhelming. Like, yeah. this is – you know, I, I, I'm going to – you know, I I, don't want to do this for another year and have even more attention. Yes, the NBA, you're going to have different sorts of, you know, push and pull, this and that. But I'd rather go there because my goal's always – and my dream's always been to be in the NBA – and I just don't want to be on a college campus any longer, and I'm going to be a first-round pick, and And that money's going to be X amount, and my family needs it, et cetera, et cetera.
2: And I don't want to run the risk of driving to the lane in a Big Ten game in January and all of a sudden hearing a pop and realize my knee just gave out, right?
0: Yeah. Um, So, again, Trace Jackson Davis pretty much said he's definitely gone. Hood Shafino and Zach Eady, those will be the two from a local standpoint that we'll continue to eye and I think IU's got to hammer the transfer portal. And I think Purdue's got to be open minded with the portal. I, I know Purdue can bring everybody back besides David Jenkins, but I think you have to look into that. And it obviously it was something they did last year. They struck out in the backcourt. Um, I thought I think they have to have to look long and hard at it here this offseason. All right, uh Pop Quiz is gonna come up in about five minutes. So we will open the phone lines for that. For now, it's a morning check down. Jake, let's go in reverse order. We'll kind of end with the tournament, Indiana-Purdue, but let's begin with the Pacers back in action tonight. They have got the Hornets down in Charlotte. So it'll be four straight road games for Indiana. Um, I think it's at Toronto coming up on Wednesday. And then they will finish the season 5 of 7 at home. Uh, You were in the building on Saturday night, and Joel Embiid did his thing, and the 76ers pretty much were in full
2: control. Yeah, they were in control. And the Pacers... Gave it the old valiant effort, right? But in the end, Embiid was too much. Miles Turner did play better against him, but there's just not much you can do against Embiid. And he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Philadelphia pulls away for a 20-point win as now the Pacers get set for, what, four in a row, I guess. Yeah. on Still no
0: road. Halliburton, by the way, for tonight. Sounds like Benedict Matherin could make his
2: return. Uh, Halliburton again with an interesting outfit on Saturday for what that's worth. The guy next to me actually said something about it. He's like, if I wore that outfit, I'd be laughed out of the room. I know. Yeah, I, could, I, I was right. going to say
0: the Halliburton wardrobe, I'm sure Jake Query often rules his eyes at, right?
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm quite the fashionista. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, right. Stephen
0: Barry's Arkansas t-shirt on Jake Query
2: right now. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, NASCAR yesterday, by the way, we'll get back to college basketball in a second, but what the hell, we'll do something different. Joey Logano, winner yesterday in Atlanta, ahead of Brad, Kes- Brad Keselowski, easy for me to say. At the line, Christopher Bell was third. Give me a number one through 36 for you, Kevin Bowen. 24. From 24. You have won a lifetime supply. Congratulations uh, from Highpoint.com. Oh. Is that the university I was going to say, yeah. Are they uh, a
0: 16-seed producer to Chase worry about next Briscoe. year?
2: <laughs> nice. Sam Fritz, give me a number one through 36.
0: Seven, please.
2: Number seven for Sam Fritz. You have won a lifetime supply of body armor. Uh, that's, of course, a smart water. Ryan mm-hmm. Blaney. Andrew seventh. Luck used to be an endorser. Though. Kevin, give me a number for myself. Uh Seven. He just that's said the one seven. we uh, six. On. Sorry. Uh, Number you He's six. not getting my water. <laughs> uh, I've won a lifetime supply of Shingrix for Denny Hamlin. Is he not FedEx anymore?
0: Yeah, I, that FedEx car is like one of the few that I actually recognize. And
2: Denny Hamlin, who supposedly had to sign his FedEx endorsement contract and try to UPS it back to them.
0: That's a bit awkward. <laughs> I'd say. What do we got, two weeks to your next IndyCar race? Uh, right? That's
2: correct. Two weeks? Uh, next would be Texas.
0: All right, the next for the NCAA tournament will be Sweet 16 sites. Madison Square Garden, Louisville, Kansas City, and Vegas. Those will begin on Thursday. A couple of notes on the Sweet 16. 11 different conferences represented. That ties the most in NCAA tournament history. Just one Big Ten team, and by the way, one ACC team. Miami beaten Indiana last night. That's the lone ACC rep. Six straight years where the, the defending champ has not reached the Sweet 16, we have no Final Four participants from last season. And from a gambling standpoint, the Unders have hit over 70% so far in the tournament.
2: Okay, the conference is represented here. You ready? SEC, the Mountain West for San Diego State, right? Mm-hmm. The Big East with Creighton. The Ivy League with Princeton. What's Florida Atlantic in? It's usa Conference USA for Florida Atlantic. SEC again for Tennessee. Big 12 with Kansas State. Big 10 with Michigan State. Houston is the American American Athletic. Uh, Miami, ACC, Xavier, Big East. Is that all of them then? Uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, yeah. Gonzaga is the West Coast Conference, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's impressive. So 11 ties the record. Uh, College basketball on the women's side tonight. The NCAA Women's Tournament second round in Bloomington. It is, in fact, those same Hurricanes. Not the guys' team; it's the women's team. They are twenty and twelve. They're the nine seed taking on top-seeded Indiana. Terry Moran's women are twenty-eight and three. That game at eight o'clock tonight. Also in college basketball later today, a couple of hours from now, Indiana State and Eastern Kentucky. That is the CBI quarterfinals sycamores at 23 and 12 that is a noon tip.
0: see about Mackenzie holmes tonight for the hoosiers she's been one of their best players all season knee um, injury
2: right or yeah
0: i don't think was dressed but did not play in their opening round win over tennessee tech but uh, you think moving forward now they would definitely need her the rest of the way all right it is time for the pop quiz so 317-239-1070 we'll do that next